Firstly, I'm just going to tell you that um, if you haven't, haven't read through the book of Jeremiah, it's, it's well worth reading. You'll need a box of tissues, though, um, as you're reading it. It's an extremely sad book. It's a book that will really sort of tear at your heartstrings. Um, it's, um, I don't think there's another book like it where somebody really describes his feelings in such detail. And I'm sure Phil's going to talk about the, the next book, Lamentations. That's, that's basically only that, just feelings described. Um, but in Jeremiah, you get that a lot. Um, Jeremiah really exposes his heart and, and his thoughts. Um, I'm going to talk about five points. Jeremiah's day, the day in which he was living in. So I'm going to open with an introduction from Leviticus 26. So Darby shared this passage with me. I was blown away. So just keep this passage in your mind and then when we talk through Jeremiah, um, I'm not going to refer back to it, but you can think about what's written here. Uh, Leviticus 26, verse 27. I'll read but I mean, you could read the whole chapter at your leisure. So this is the Lord speaking. And if... For this you hearken not to me, if you don't listen, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you, also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you sevenfold for your sins. And you shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall you eat. And I will lay waste your high places, and cut down your sun pillars, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you. And I will lay waste your cities and desolate your sanctuaries. And I will not smell your sweet odours. And I will bring the land into desolation, that your enemies who dwell there may be astounded at it, astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out the sword after you. And your land shall be a desolation and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy its Sabbaths in the days of all the days of the desolation. When ye are in your enemy's land, then shall the land rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the days of the desolation it shall rest, the days in which it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt therein. And as to those that remain of you, I will send faintness into your hearts in the land of their enemies. And the sound of a driven leaf shall chase them, and they shall flee as fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none pursueth, and they shall stumble one over another, as it were before a sword when none pursueth. You shall have no power to stand before your enemies. You shall perish amongst the nations. The land of your enemies shall eat you up. And then they that remain of you shall waste away through the iniquity of your enemies' lands. And also through the iniquities of their fathers shall they waste away with them. This seems like it was pulled out straight from Jeremiah's time. Now this was this is one of the books of Moses written way before Jeremiah. Um, here's Jeremiah. Where are we? Remember we talked about the exile. Jeremiah is one of the prophets that lived during the exile. Now if you remember the exile or the captivity as we call it, happened in three waves. Um, so I'm just going to draw that up quickly. Um, see. So Jeremiah 
He lived through five kings, the last five kings of Judah. So the southern kingdom is Judah, the southern kingdom. And Jeremiah lived through the last five kings. So Josiah, after him was Jehoahaz, after him Jehoiakim. After him, Jehoiachin. Uh, After him, Zedekiah. Sorry about my handwriting. Jeremiah started preaching in the 13th year of Josiah. Josiah reigned for 31 years. Jehoahaz reigned for three months. Uh, Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years. Jehoiachin, whose name is also Jeconiah, he reigned for three months. And Zedekiah reigned for 11 years. It's easy to remember the last four because three months, 11 years, three months, 11 years. Um, in the 13th year of Josiah is when uh, Jeremiah began to speak. That's the, the start of his ministry. And he preached right until the 11th year of Zedekiah when in the ninth month, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, finally broke into the city, destroyed everything, burnt the temple, burnt the king's house, burnt all the houses, totally destroyed the city. That was the third wave. So, um, the, first, the first time that um, Nebuchadnezzar came into Babylon was during Jehoiakim's reign. In the third year of Jehoiakim, if you turn to Jan Daniel chapter 1, just turn to Daniel chapter 1 and read verse 1. In the third year of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and took us and stuff. Um, that was the first wave. Daniel was taken in that first wave. The second wave, have a read of Ezekiel chapter 1. So, Ezekiel chapter 1, it says uh, something like, in the 30th year, that was the 30th year, his 30th birthday. If you go down a couple of verses, it says, in the fifth year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah. Um, what's the verse number for that? Somebody found it? Verse 2. It's in verse 2. So, he's, he started writing that in the fifth year of his captivity of Jehoiachin. So the second wave, Ezekiel was taken um, when Nebuchadnezzar came and attacked during the time of Jehoiachin. And with the time he starts writing his book is five years after he's taken. So that's why it says in the fifth year of the captivity. So you can associate those three men with the three waves and that'll help you remember it. Daniel got taken first, Ezekiel got taken second, Jeremiah he was there for the third, and we'll see what happens with him. Um, I've got the years that this happened. I don't want to sort of bog us down with that at the moment. Um, but if you want, um, I can let you know the years that those happened. Okay. I want to speak about the state of the people during the days of Jeremiah. I want you to sort of see why he was preaching 
um, and what was going on in Judah. So let's have a look at chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn to themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that hold no water. The people of Judah had forsaken Jehovah and they were worshipping idols. Have a look at verse 11. Verse 11. Yeah, that's a nice verse. Thanks, Dougie. Has a nation changed its gods? This is a question from God. Look at the Philistines. Look at the Ammonites. Look at the Moabites. Has a nation changed its gods? And they are not even gods. But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. And who was involved in this? Have a look at verse 26. As a thief is ashamed when he is found, so shall the house of Israel be ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets. All the people were involved in idolatry. All of them. Have a look at the end of verse 28. It says, For as the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. Imagine the state of the people. Idolatry is absolutely rampant. There came a time in... Chapter 5, verse 1, God says to Jeremiah, He says, Jeremiah, run to and fro through the city. If you can find one faithful man, one person, um, find a man that does justice and seeks fidelity, and I will pardon it. God couldn't pardon it. There wasn't a man in the city who was who could fit this description. I just want to show you how deep this went. Have a look at chapter 7, verse 17. It's a family working together. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood. The fathers kindle fire. And the women need dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. You've got an entire family where children and parents are involved in the idolatry and they're worshipping the sun, the queen of heaven. Do you remember what we read in Leviticus? I will tear down your sun pillars. God, God foresaw what they were doing in this day. Another thing that they were doing, um, I'm sure you know of, of this, you will have heard of this. Have a look at the chap, uh, same chapter, 7, verse 30. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, says Jehovah. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to defile it. have built on the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded not, neither did it come into my mind. They were sacrificing their children to Moloch, to Baal, 
upright. That's the state of the people. That's what was going on in Judah. Completely forsaken God. This king was a good king. Josiah. In his day, there was huge revival. Remember, they found a scroll of the law in a um, dusty corner of the temple when they were renovating. And then he tore his clothes. He repented. He made the city repent. But then his son, Jehoahaz, an evil man. He got taken by, the, by Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, um, after three months. A wicked man, Jehoiakim. His, his bloodline is cursed in Jeremiah. No son of his will sit on the throne of David. Same with him, Jehoiachin, a wicked man. Zedekiah, another, a, man, a spineless wicked man. Who is this man, Zedekiah? So after Josiah, it just went completely downhill. And in the time that Jeremiah is writing, idolatry is everywhere. They are worshipping everything and anything but the true God. Okay, what's Jeremiah's message? Um, let's just turn back to chapter 3 quickly. His message is returned to me. I want to just say that in this book, um, I've really felt the faithfulness of God the mercy of God, even though, you know, there's that verse in Romans, it says, behold the goodness and the severity of God. And that's what we see in this book. God is good. And in amongst all of this wickedness, Jeremiah's message to the people is return. So start of chapter three, it speaks about a woman who's left her husband and gone to another man. Will, will her husband um, go back to her? But Jehovah says, return to me and I'll heal. I'll heal what you've done. Return to me. Come back to me. The Lord was willing that the people, after having betrayed him, would come back to him. So chapter 3, verse 1, verse 12, verse 14, verse 22, all say return. Chapter 4 starts with, if thou wilt return, O Israel, says Jehovah, return unto me and put away your abominations out of your sight, then you shall be you shall not be a wanderer. And you shall in truth and justice and righteousness swear as Jehovah liveth. And the nations shall bless themselves in him. And in him shall they glory. He was waiting for them to come back, to repent, put away their idolatry and turn back to him. And he was ready with open arms to forgive them. Chapter 7, verses 1 to 7, same thing. He wants them to amend their ways. He says, amend your ways. And I will cause you to dwell in this place. Let's keep going further into the book. 25, chapter 25. Um, we could read from the start, but I won't. Verse 3. From the third, this is Jeremiah speaking. From the 13th year of Josiah. Remember I told you that's when his ministry started. 13th year of Josiah. Even unto this day, these 23 years, so you can work out where that is in the timeline, um, when he's writing this. These 23 years, um, the word of Jehovah has come to me, and I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, and you have not hearkened. You haven't listened. And Jehovah has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending, but you have not listened. This was the 
the message, the plea of Jeremiah for all of his time uh, was between, it was maybe up to 50 years that Jeremiah, well, we could work it out, from the 13th year of Josiah, somebody can do the maths, how long his ministry was, but his ministry actually continued after uh, Jerusalem had fallen. But you can work out at least until the 11th year of Zedekiah. Um, okay. Now I want to speak a little bit about his life, Jeremiah's life. So now we know um, when he lived. We know um, the state of the people at that time. And we know what his message was. I just want to say one more thing about his message. His message wasn't just um, the return. His message was also warning. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and he's going to destroy this city. He actually named who it was. He said the Chaldeans are going to come. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to come. He's going to come into the city and he's going to destroy the city. He didn't just say that. He said he's going to destroy the house of God, the temple. And the people were absolutely outraged at that message. Um, and I'll, I'll show you a couple of um, examples where they want to take his life because he said that. So, warning about what's going to happen but also the grace and the mercy of God looking even further into the future when the people are going to come back to the land after the exile and prophetically in the millennium when the people will be brought back to the land um, that's in chapters 30, 31, 32, 33. These chapters of hope in Jeremiah where... It shows God's heart for the future of his people. He's not going to make a total end of his people. He's going to bring them back. So that was all part of his message. Now, I've written here Jeremiah's life, and I've got of sorrows. I just want to say that Jeremiah lived a life of sorrows. Um, his whole life was um, characterized by sorrow. Firstly, his sorrow at the state of Jerusalem. We, we won't read it, but um, in, if you read the end of chapter 8 and the start of chapter 9, the start of chapter 9, he's like, Oh, that my head were waters, and that my eyes were fountains of waters, so I could weep for the daughter of my people, Jerusalem. Um, he, he really felt sorrow because of the state of the people uh, in the city. That was one of the um, parts of his sorrow. He was um, a priest from Anathoth. That's a, um, the place where he was from. That's northeast of Jerusalem. And the, he, the people of his city hated him. I just want just draw your... Um, just sort of think with me about the connections between Jeremiah as an example of the Lord Jesus. The people of his own birthplace hated him. That's in chapter uh, 10, chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 21. Therefore, thus says Jehovah concerning the men of Anathoth that seek thy life, saying, Prophesy not in the name of Jehovah that thou die not by our hand. So the men of his own city, they said to him, Don't prophesy in the name of Jehovah or we'll kill you. Um, so the men of his city hated him. Go to chapter 12. His own family hated him. Um, look at verse 6. For even thy brethren and the house of thy father 
even they have dealt treacherously with thee, even they have cried aloud after thee. Verse 7 he says, Oh, this is the Lord speaking. I have forsaken my house. I have cast off my heritage. Jeremiah was feeling something of the heart of God in that his own family had despised him and rejected him. So the people of his city and his own family. Chapter 16, verse 1. Something else that added to Jeremiah's sorrows. Um, The Lord says to him, Thou shalt not take thee a wife, and thou shalt not have sons and daughters in this place. He wasn't allowed to marry them. He said, the Lord said about the city, I will take away the sound of mirth and the sound of rejoicing, the sound of the bride and the sound of the bridegroom. That's going to be gone from the city. And he didn't want Jeremiah to marry him, and Jeremiah again was going to feel something of the heart of the Lord. But... God couldn't have him raise his children in that place. So he wasn't allowed to marry. Something else he had to go through. Uh, In chapter 20, he speaks, if you look at the end of chapter 19, actually, look at verse 15. Thus says Jehovah of hosts, this is Jeremiah speaking, Behold, I will bring upon this city and upon all the cities all the evil that I have spoken against it. They've hardened their necks not to hear my words. So that's Jeremiah speaking the word of God. Now, chapter 20, Pashua, the son of Emma, he's a priest. Um, and he took Jeremiah. He heard what he said. He beat him. And he put him in the stocks. So this was the first time that Jeremiah was in prison. This is not the last time that Jeremiah was in prison. So he was beaten and imprisoned. Chapter 26, verse... 11 the priests and the prophets spoke unto the princes to all the people saying this man is worthy to die he was beaten and imprisoned again going up to Benjamin I'm not going to read it because I'm going to take up too much time he was then cast into a pit you can read this in chapter 38 Um, they put him into a pit or a cistern It was something to collect water. It's talked about in chapter 14. Um, It's a big hole in the ground that they used to collect water. But this was in the time close to the siege when um, Nebuchadnezzar was surrounding the city. There was no water in the pit, but there was only mud. And they put Jeremiah down into the pit, and he sank in the mud. Um, And he was going to die in that pit. Again, think about the words of the Lord Jesus. Prophetically speaking, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. So you can read that in chapter 38 of Jeremiah. Um, some allusions now to to Christ, some more, and to the New Testament, um, sort of alluding to Jeremiah. Do you know how the Lord says... Um, the Lord Jesus, he walks into the temple and they're buying and selling in the temple. And he says, he quotes from two places. He quotes from Isaiah and he quotes from Jeremiah. In Isaiah, it says, my house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations. And in Jeremiah, it says, my house, you have made my house that is called by my name a den of thieves. And so he took those two quotes and combined them together 
and said, you have made my house, which is the house of prayer for all the nations, into a den of thieves. So that uh, den of thieves is in chapter 7, verse 11, if you want to take note of that. Um, Isaiah speaks about, in chapter 53, of the Lord Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and he opened by his mouth. Jeremiah says something of himself that is very similar. It's in chapter 11, verse 19. It says, And I was like a tame lamb that is led to the slaughter, and I knew not that they devised devices against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be no more remembered. Now, if that doesn't speak to you of the Lord, um, you're not thinking hard enough. But something like that spoken of Jeremiah about himself. In chapter 15, he says, Know that it is for your sake that I have borne reproach. Now, if I just said that to you, um, you'd probably say to me, that's a quote from... I don't know where that's quoted from, but it's of the Lord. It's the Lord speaking, isn't it? It's something that the Lord said prophetically. For your sake, I have borne reproach. I think it's in the Psalms. I don't know. Sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. He says that in chapter fifteen, verse fifteen. If you want to check that one, um, Jeremiah speaks of a future day when the Lord will raise a righteous branch, and that righteous branch. That's in chapter twenty-three. Um, and he's going to be the son of David. And that's a, a direct prophecy about the Lord Jesus uh, in Jeremiah. In chapter 26, we already looked at this. Those wicked men who came against him, they said, this man is worthy of death. And that's what the um, high, priests, high priests and all the elders of the people said about the Lord Jesus. In chapter 20, verse 7, he says, I have become a derision. A laughing stock. Very similar to words prophetically spoken of the Lord Jesus. Uh, a couple of other just quick things. The, the sound of weeping in Matthew chapter 2. That's Rachel weeping for her children. That's a quote directly from Jeremiah 31. And I just want you to reflect now on why some of the people, when the Lord asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? I want you to think why some people said Jeremiah. Some people said you think of Jeremiah. Um, this man went through a life of deep, deep sorrow and, and really hard trials. All right. The last thing before I quickly divide the book um, is the faithfulness of God to Jeremiah. The faithfulness of God runs throughout this book. God told him at the start of the book in chapter 1, verse 10, that um, he was going to look after him. He repeats that promise to him in chapter 15, verse 11. Then in chapter 39, ch chapter 39 is when the king of Babylon comes and destroys the city. In chapter 39, Nebuchadnezzar comes into the city, he's destroying the place, he says to his captain of the guard, he says, there's a guy in this city, I've never met him before. I'm sure they've never met. His name's Jeremiah. And I, I believe that God told Nebuchadnezzar specifically about Jeremiah. Nebuchadnezzar said, there's a man in the city called Jeremiah. You make sure you look after him. 
You fetch him and you look after him. Make sure no harm comes to him. I mean, imagine that. A man coming to destroy the city completely. But God tells him there's a man in that city. You're not to touch him. God was faithful to Jeremiah. Um, in chapter 29, Jeremiah writes letters to the captive, those who have been taken captive in the second, first and second wave. And in that letter, he says that the captivity is going to last 70 years. And I believe that's the letter that Daniel read. Um, I'm not sure if Daniel read the whole book of Jeremiah. I don't think so. I think he read just that letter, at least that letter in chapter 29, which Jeremiah sent up to those who were captive in Babylon. And in that letter it says about the 70 years, God was faithful and Daniel prays in chapter 9, saying, having read it in Jeremiah, it's going to be 70 years. The time's almost up. And he starts praying in chapter 9. His faithfulness to a group called the Rechabites. The Rechabites are in chapter 35. You can read about them. These are men whose dad told them, I don't want you to drink wine. I don't want you to plant uh, your fields. I don't want you to build houses in this place. It was a message that his, their dad had been given from the Lord and that he told his sons. And God says to Jeremiah, take the Rechabites, bring them into the temple, invite them for a feast in the temple, and I want you to offer them wine. So Jeremiah does that. He offers them wine. And the Rechabites say, sorry, we're not going to drink wine. Um, our dad told us not to, and we're not going to. And they were used as a as an example to the children of Israel. And God said, these people, they listen to their father, Jehonan his name was, and you won't listen to me. And God said about them, there shall not fail of the sons of Jehonan, of the Rechabites, a man to stand before me forever. God's faithfulness to the Rechabites and to this faithful man who kept his word, there's always a man that's going to be standing before Jehovah of that family. Remember when Jeremiah was thrown into the pit? This is the last guy I'll talk about. There's a man who rescued him. He was an Ethiopian eunuch, um, similar to chapter 8 of Acts. Um, he pulls out Jeremiah, and God was faithful to him. God said, when, when the enemies attack, his name was Ebel Melech. He's in chapter 38 and 39 of Jeremiah. God says, I will save you because you put your trust in me. Because he trusted in Jehovah, he was saved as well. Um, there were other men who God was faithful to in the book that I've written here, but you can ask me about them later. So that you can read the book with a little bit more ease. It's really hard to divide this book. It's not in chronological order at all. Chops and changes. But chapter 1 is the calling of Jeremiah. Chapter 2 to 29 is Judah's sin and the coming judgment that he preaches to them. Chapter 30 to 33 is the hope and restoration for Israel. In the chapters of hope, 30 to 33. 34 to 38 is narrative before the fall. So there's a whole bunch of stories that happen before the fall of Jerusalem. Chapter 39 to 45, that's narrative after the fall. So Jerusalem falls in th uh, chapter 39. And then chapter 46 to 51 is judgment against the rest of the nations around Israel. And chapter 52, the last chapter, is an appendix listing what happened to Zedekiah. And if you want to know what happened to Zedekiah, you can read that chapter. And I've got to stop there.
just as I'm saying in the Second Kings there, the, the chapter 22 um, and verse uh, 2. Actually, you can read this part, and then um, in verse 8 says, uh, Then Hilakiah the high priest said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the Lord. And this man, Hilakiah, was the, the Jeremiah's father. And I think it's, um, it, was, it made a, a big um, uh, change to Josiah. And Michael mentioned that Josiah reigned for 31 years. And this happened in the 18th year of his reign. So it's pretty much like this at the end of the second third of his uh, reign. And they found this book. And then they start like a, a big revival happened to the whole Israel. And they start to return back to the war. And, but it seems that it wasn't a deep revival because it's faded away very easily after Josiah died and the four kings came after him like where all of them are evil and the whole people like went easily to worship idols so sometimes like we see like a, a, a big work happening a big revival but it doesn't have root it doesn't have depth in it and that's what the people of Israel they hated Jeremiah because Jeremiah wasn't uh, wasn't just like a man um, having a sorrow just because because he loves it. He has only one message: to, to say the truth, whatever it takes, whatever happens, he's going to say the truth. And people hated him. The kings that just tried to bribe him, they tried to okay, uh, let's deal with him in a, in a nice way. Look, um, you know, everybody's saying that. Why not just like saying like them? And he's he, he's not. He's not going to do that. He said, no, I'm going to say the truth. Whatever happened to me. They tried to threaten him. They tried to kill him many times. But he has only one message. In the time of rain, in the time of destruction, where there is no revival, he's going to say the right message. It's one other really amazing section in Jeremiah. Um, you, you didn't have much time, Mike. But um, when he's talking about Jeremiah prophesying, concerning the judgment coming upon the nations. Not only did he prophesy that the nation of Judah would be captive for 70 years, he gives us two really long, really detailed chapters in 50 and 51, where he describes in minute detail the way the Medes and the Persians were going to come and wipe Babylon off the map. And I would not be surprised if Daniel had read the whole book of Jeremiah and that on that night when the fingers came and wrote on the wall in the book of Daniel and, um, and the king says to him I'm going to give you all these riches and all these rewards and Daniel says to him um, sorry I'm not interested in any of that Daniel knew what was going on outside the city at that very moment because he read it in Jeremiah 50 and 51 in minute detail um, they're kind of hard going reading these long chapters but absolutely fascinating because Jeremiah wrote at least 70 years before it happened and described it exactly now I, I guess that shouldn't make us overly astounded because we know the living and true God who knows the end from the beginning but you know, it's still amazing 